let you know that we are people of more. We are people who seek to learn more, love more, do more, teach more. Each time going around this, this cycle, we want to continue to improve upon what we did the last time. We want to let you know if you're a guest here at the Avenue G Church of Christ that you are our welcome guest. And we want to let you know that we've been talking about Jesus the past four weeks. And I want you to understand that the, 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 the God that we serve, he saw us before we were us. And he said, those people are going to need me one day. And so he sent his son down so that we can have access to him. And so Jesus came to this earth in the form of a man. Right? He didn't think it was robbery to, to leave heaven in this majesty to come down in the same form that we hold at this moment in time. He said, I'm going to come down and I'm going to be a savior of this world. And today and this morning, what we're going to discuss this morning and the topic of our lesson this morning is going to be, I want to be made whole. I want to be made whole. Some of us at this moment in time, our lives are in shambles. Our, our life is broken apart. And we, we walk, out, walk out of our homes every day and we try to use crazy glue to hold our lives intact. And we walk around in pieces and in shambles and we try to make pretend that everything is okay. But I want you to understand that if you want to be made whole, if you want to be made to where you can be something more than what you are at this moment in time, I want you to understand that only God can do that. Now every one of us in here at some point in time in our lives have been fed up. Every one of us in here at some point in our life have reached the moment in time where we have said enough is enough. And I want you to understand that this morning, what we're going to be discussing, we're going to look at two people who look at their lives and they say enough is enough. They say, I don't no longer want to be in shambles. I no longer want to be in the condition that I'm in. They're going to come out and they're going to seek Jesus and they're going to say, I want to be made whole. I want to be made whole. And that's why I want us to take our hearts this morning. I want us to focus on ourselves as we as we trip through the word of God. I want you to look at yourselves and see where in your life it is that you can be made whole. Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. This is another one of the Gospels in which the story of Jesus' life is told. Uh, Jesus' life is chronicled in many different ways. Uh, in the book of Mark, he takes very great detail to chronicle the events of Jesus' life. And this, this, this uh, story of Jesus today is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But I chose Mark this morning for the details that it has in it. I want you to see in the book of Matt, uh, Mark chapter 5, I want you to see where Jesus is right now. Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is at Capernaum, where he, this was his headquarters for where his ministry did the most greatest work. And Jesus, he, he, has, he has told the parable of the seeds and how the gospel will affect many different people and how it will fall on some hearts that will take the word and it will grow and it will produce. And he talks about how also this, whenever the gospel may be spread, it will fall on paths that have no dirt on it. It won't produce anything at all. And so Jesus starts to teach in this manner. And then he goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And then he comes across a man who is harming himself in a cemetery. Uh, this man is in chains, but he continues to break them. He continues to cut his flesh with rocks. He continues to harm people. And so he's off among the dead people of Jesus 
comes to him and the man bows down before Jesus. Nobody else can contain him. Nobody else can do anything with this man. But whenever he sees the sight of Jesus and he's filled with this legion of demons, he bows down to Jesus and he recognizes that he's the son of God. And Jesus tells him, you need to come out of this man, you demons. Jesus calls these demons out of this man and they go into a herd of pigs and then they run over the side of a hill into the sea. And all the pigs are drowned. And then Jesus, after he's done these many great works and the man who has just been healed wants to come with him, he says, no, you can't come with me. I need you to go and tell everyone what God has done for you. And Jesus, after he's finished his work on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, he comes back to where he was, to where he preached about the parable of the, the, the seas. And then he, he, he goes back there. And that's where we find ourselves here in Mark chapter 5. When we look at the same account in Matthew, we see that this is also the time in which Matthew is, is, is converted in a tax collector. And Jesus is sitting at a table and he's having a conversation about why him and his, uh, him and his disciples don't fast. And Jesus explains to them, you don't fast whenever the bridegroom is here. It's a celebration because I've come. Right, we're, not, we're not in the mode to where we're fasting and where we're in sorrow. See, these people who follow me at this moment in time, they realize that I am who I said I am. And so the Pharisees are questioning him on what it is that he's doing. And so as he's sitting down at this table, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. And so the Bible says, When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. 22. And one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet. And so Jesus is speaking to these other Pharisees, these other people who are in high regard in the law, who these other people who call themselves experts in the law. And then the leader of the synagogue, one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus comes to him and he falls prostrate at the feet of Jesus. And then he begins to talk to him. Now I want you to understand that when this leader of the synagogue fell at the feet of Jesus, the very same man that people were questioning, this would not have been a popular thing for him to do. But this man here is desperate, and we're going to see why. The Bible says in verse 23, he begged him repeatedly. My little daughter is at the point of death. He says, my baby girl is at the point of death. Right now she's been sick, but right now she is breathing her last. Right now she is at the point to where if I don't do something now, she's going to die. If I don't do something about her situation, she surely will die. And this man comes to Jesus because he believes that right. Jesus will make her whole because he says, come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him, right? He comes to Jesus. He bows down prostrate as a leader of the synagogue in front of this man who was just from Bethlehem. He says, I need for you to come and work a miracle on my daughter because she is about to die. And I know that if you lay your hands on her, she will be made well and she will live. And I want you to understand that in the original language, the word that they use here for being made well is the same word that they use for salvation. It's the same word that they use for salvation. Because in their mind, at this time, when someone was sick, it means that they were not in good standing with God. And so he says, if you would come and lay your hands on my daughter, I know that she will be saved. I know that she will be made well. 
And so he went with them. And it says that it's this great crowd of people because they understood what he said when he was there on that side of the sea at that point in time. They understood that he was working miracles all around the Sea of Galilee. And so they said, we got to see what it is that this Jesus is doing. We got to see what it is that this Jesus has going on. So this panicked father, he chooses to follow this man because he believes that he can do something about the current state of his daughter's health. And then there's an interruption. You ever been watching something good on TV? Good show. Some of y'all watched the last episode of Scandal this week. Good show is on. Something good is about to happen. Then all of a sudden, a commercial comes on. Right? You get upset. But then it's the commercial with the dogs that are that are hurting. And they got little sad eyes. And they got Sarah McLaughlin singing. And you can't feel bad about it because it's a good cause. Or it's a commercial and you see the children who are in Africa and they're starving. It's an interruption to your show, but you can't be upset about it because they need help. Right in the middle of this man's miracle, an interruption occurs. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. What does the Bible say there? Now, there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. Now, this woman, more than likely, a menstrual bleeding had been going on in her body for 12 years. For 12 years. And I need you to understand that as we read through this text and as you at home read through your Bible, when you see the word of the number 12, understand that in biblical numerology, when you see the number 12, that is pointing to the government of God. That means that God is controlling this situation. That means that God is setting this thing up the way that he wants it to be. When you see the 12 tribes of Israel, God is setting that thing up to where these 12 tribes of people will influence the whole earth. And so understand that when you see that this woman has been struggling with her suffering of bleeding for 12 years, understand that it is the government of God. It is God that has set this thing into motion. Now, she may have been going through something. She was a, a, a social outcast. She could not worship God the way that she wanted to worship right. God because with her bleeding that way at that time, if she were to come into contact and touch someone, they would be made unclean too. And they wouldn't be able to worship God. So that would be the same as if somebody who was bleeding at this time and they came and they shook your hand, you wouldn't be able to come in here and worship with us today. This woman could not do this for 12 years. For 12 years. She could not have friends and family come and give her a hug and embrace her or shake her hand because she will make them unclean. And she's dealing with this struggle in her life. And she, 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 she's suffering. She's suffering. The Bible goes on to explain what else she's going through. Verse 26 says this. She had endured much under many physicians uh -huh. and had spent all that she had. So not only has she been going through the illness her body is constantly bleeding, but she also spent a whole lot of money on doctors. Now, tell me the Bible ain't relevant. Doctors been expensive. <laughs> doctors been expensive. She spent all she had. And what else does it say there? She was no better, uh -huh. but rather grew worse. It says not only did she go and spend all that she had on doctors, the situation never improved, but it got worse. So for 12 years, she's continually getting worse and worse and worse and worse and her condition is wearing on her by this time. All right. At this point in time, she's fed up. 
At this point in time, she's looked at her life and she said, there's nowhere else to go but up. There's nowhere else to go but up. Some of us in our lives, we were facing that same situation. We have been beat down and beat down and beat down for years, for weeks, for months, for days. And we look up to the heavens and say, God, I need some help because nothing is getting better in my life. Nothing is improving in my life. I can't do anything to help myself. And this woman is at this situation right now. She hears about Jesus just like the rest of the crowd heard about Jesus. And here's what she does. She had heard about Jesus. She hears about Jesus. And came up behind him in and, the crowd. And she came up behind him in the crowd. And touched his cloak. And she touched his cloak. But she said, if I but touch his cloak, she I will said, be made well. If I but touch his cloak, I will be made well. If I but touch his cloak, I will be made well. I want you to see what happens here. The first thing that I want you to notice is, is that she heard about Jesus. The first thing I want you to notice is that she heard about Jesus. Now, that's a challenge to all of us. What are we doing in our lives to make sure that people hear about Jesus? What are we doing to make sure that people understand the message of Jesus and the message of the gospel? The same message that tells us that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He hung, bled, and died so that we could have salvation. If she hadn't heard about Jesus from these other people, there would be no healing in her life. She would still continue to get worse. And she would surely face death. She believed. And she said to herself, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. If I but touch his clothes. Now, Matthew and Luke, they state that she says, if I but touch the fringe on the edge of his garment, I will be made well. I don't need to come up to him and say, Jesus, I want you to lay hands on me. I don't need to come up to him and say, Jesus, I want you to do like you did with the demon-possessed man. If I just touch the edge of your, of your coat, your outer garment, I know that I'll be made whole. I know that I will see salvation. I know that I will be saved from this thing that has been holding me down for 12 years. And what the woman doesn't realize is that her 12 years of suffering has been set into motion by God for this purpose and this vision. Immediately, her hammer stopped. Now, Mark loves to use this word. Immediately. When she touched the edge of the garment of Jesus, her bleeding stopped. What else? And she felt in her body that she was healed and of her disease. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. I want to ask you this morning. Have you made contact with Jesus? Have you made contact with Jesus? Some of us can say with the surety that we've made contact with Jesus, but I want you to know that in order to make contact with Jesus, we don't have a time machine. None of us are Marty McFly. We don't have a time machine to go back in time to say, I want to touch Jesus, but the way that we get in contact with Jesus today is through baptism. Romans 6, 3-4 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. I need you to understand that if you want to walk after you die, you have to come into contact with Jesus. You have to come into contact with Jesus. If I but just touch 
the immersion of water and baptism, I will be made whole. You have to come into contact with Jesus. And so the, the, the narrative continues in verse number 30. It says this. Again, Mark is talking about immediately. Come on. Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Jesus, he knew it right away. He's walking with a crowd of people surrounding him. And then he says, who touched me? Who touched me? These people, it says that this great crowd was pressing in on him. But when this woman who is full of faith comes and touched the edge of the garment of Jesus. Jesus turns around and he says, who touched me? In the book of Luke, it tells the story of more details in this portion right here. What does the book of Luke say? Jesus said, someone touched me. But Jesus says, someone touched me. Well, I noticed that power had gone. He said, I noticed that power, dunamis, the same word we get for TNT. I knew that this power had left from me just because somebody touched the edge of my garment. I knew that somebody with faith came and they touched my garments. He said, I felt the power come from me. I felt it come from me. Jesus is surrounded by these people. And yet when this woman who has been suffering for 12 years comes and touches the edge of his garment. When she says in her mind, I'm fed up with the way that my life is going. I'm fed up with my present condition. I have nowhere else to turn, so I'm going to turn to Jesus. Her life has changed. Verse 31, the Bible says this. And his disciples said to him, his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you. You see these folks around you. How Jesus, can you, how can you say, who touched me? They say, Jesus, there's people all over the place touching you. How can you say who it is that touched you? He looked all around to see, to see who had done it. And he looked all around to see who had done it. Notice this. Jesus is surrounded by a multitude of people. Because they've simply heard about Jesus and the good that he had done. Surrounded by people. There will be a lot of us at the end who have simply only surrounded Jesus. There will be a lot of us at the end who have only simply been a part of this great crowd around Jesus. And we will never experience the power of Jesus because we have not come and contacted him through faith. We've only heard about the good things that he can do for us. Jesus can give me salvation, so I'll come and I'll come to worship on Sundays because it's the thing to do. It's something to do, so I'll be a part of the crowd on Sunday mornings. But I won't come back to Bible class and strengthen my faith. It will be 15 people here this afternoon. It'll be even less on Wednesday night. What's your excuse? Are you just a part of the crowd? Or does Jesus recognize that you have came into contact with him in faith? Are you just a part of the crowd? Ask yourself that question. Am I just a part of this great multitude? Am I a groupie of Jesus? Or am I a disciple of Jesus? That's the real question you have to ask yourself. Am I just a groupie or am I a disciple of Jesus? So Jesus is still looking around. Verse 33. But the woman knowing what had happened to her. But the woman knew what happened. Come on. Came in fear and trembling. She came before Jesus. And I want you to understand that these words are literal. 
It says that she was deathly afraid. She understood that Jesus wasn't just a man. And so she has this fear. And she's physically shaking and trembling. She knew that she was unclean. She knew that if she comes into this crowd, she could possibly make other people unclean. So she's afraid. And so what does she do? Fell down before him. She falls down before him. And told him the whole truth. And told him the whole truth. That's and I want you to see in Luke chapter 8 again, Luke gives us more details. What does he say there? When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden. Now this woman, she's trying to duck and hide. She made well. And she got this group of people. She's hiding out. She came trembling. She realized I can't remain hidden anymore. Jesus asking who touched me. So what she do? And falling down before him. She fell down before him. She declared in the presence of all people. And she people. declared in the presence of all people. Why she had touched him. Why she how, touched him. And how she had been immediately healed. And how she had been immediately healed. And I want you to see something today. When we understand that we know that we come into contact with something that is not of this world. Not of this planet. Not of this universe. We ought to fall down before that being and confess it all. Tell the whole truth. Because if she had not done that, no one would know about this. No one would know the power of Jesus at this very moment. And people would miss out on the power of Jesus. They would miss out on the fact that faith produces this power. They will miss out on the fact that faith makes one whole. Mm -hmm. They will totally miss out. Man. Some of us in here, we come to Jesus. We submit to Jesus. He heals us of our disease that our soul has called sin. And then we shut up. People living lives to sin, and we act like we don't know what sin is. We act like we ain't never did no We act like after we've been saved, we've never engaged in the action of sin anymore. If we don't tell others how Jesus has fixed our life, many people will miss out. Many people will miss out. Jesus responds to her after she's told him the whole truth. He says this. He said to her, daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. And be healed of your, and disease. Be healed of your disease. He tells her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. You used to struggle for 12 years. And I want you to understand that God set this thing into motion so that you and others can understand that the way to be made whole is through faith. The way to be made whole is through faith. And if you want to be made whole today, you have to come into contact with Jesus in faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is that thing that you know is there, even though you can't see it, even though you can't touch it, even though you can't hear it or smell it. You still know it's there. Because God is in the picture. So as this commercial ends, we're back to Jairus and his interrupted miracle. And his friends come to him. 
Verse 35 and 36. While he was still speaking. While Jesus is still speaking, telling this woman that your faith has made you whole, what happened? Some people came from the leader's house to Some say. Some people come from the leader's house and they say to him. Your daughter is dead. Your daughter is dead. Her life is gone. Why? The one that you helped to make living on this earth is gone. Mm -hmm. The image of you is gone. She's dead. And so they say, why what? Why trouble the teacher any further? Why even mess with Jesus anymore? Why even trouble yourself with Jesus anymore? She's dead already. Continue reading. But overhearing what they said, uh -huh. Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, mm -hmm. only believe. Now I need you to understand. And this is why it's important to surround ourselves with people who are like-minded. Some people's faith only go as far as their hope goes. When they lose hope, they lose faith. And if you surround yourself with those type of people, they will affect your heart to be the same way. Some people in here lost faith years ago. We just come to church because it's something that we've already done, always done. And you surround yourself with people who are like-minded. God's not doing anything for me, so I might as well just keep going down the path of being gone. Might as well just keep being part of the crowd. But Jesus, he overhears what they're saying. He overhears what they're saying. And he says, do not fear. Only believe. Do not fear. Only believe. There's something that we need to understand about the unknown. There's two sides of the unknown. There's two sides of the unknown. One side is fear. One side is fear. It is the irrational anxiety associated with the unknown, especially without God. Fear is what happens when you're laying in your bed at night and you hear a noise and you tell yourself, that's that evil spirit from the movie I just It's coming to kill me. That's fear. You don't know what's happening. Right? But you've already made up in your mind that the unknown thing is something damaging to you. That's fear. And Jesus tells them, you don't need to have that. You don't need to have that. The other side of the unknown is called faith. And that is the assurance that the irrational is made rational with God. That means the thing that I don't understand is understandable because of God. That means that when you hear that noise in your bed, you're not sure what it is, but you know that God's got you. But you know that God's got you. But you know that God's going to take care of you. And so Jesus tells him, when you're dealing with the issue of the unknown, I want you to make sure that you take God with you. Because if you take God with you, you can be sure that the outcome is going to be okay. No matter what path we take in our lives, if we take God with us, the outcome will be okay. 
And so he tells them, do not fear, only believe. And then he continues in the next verse saying, he allowed no one to follow him except Peter. And so he has this group of people around him, and he says, I want my inner circle of the apostles to come, Peter, James, and John. I want you to come with me. And what else? When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue. So they make it to his house where his saw, daughter is dead. He saw a commotion. He saw a commotion. People weeping and wailing. People weeping and wailing loudly. Now I want you to understand these words. They should not lose force. When he goes to this house, these people are acting a fool. There's commotion. There's weeping. There's wailing. They're yelling. They're screaming. Falling over the girl. Y'all know how we do at funerals. Falling into the caskets. These people are acting just like this. In verse 39, he says, When he had answered, he said to them, when he, when he answered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion? And why weep? do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead. The child is not dead, but sleeping. But sleeping. Yeah. Now I want you to see in verse number 38, when it says that Jesus saw a commotion, that word isn't just him seeing, but it says that Jesus saw something and it wasn't natural to him. It wasn't normal to him. So Jesus looking at these people acting a fool over this little girl, and he says, they must not know that I am. They must not know what I can do. They must not know that I came from the majesty of heaven just for this purpose. They must not know that this, this woman who I just healed, God had ordained that she would be dealing with this issue for 12 years. They must not know that it was on purpose that Jairus' daughter's health was interrupted. So Jesus looks at them wailing and crying and acting a fool, just like much of us do today. God looks down on us and are acting a fool about the things that are going on in our lives, our health, our finances, our marriages, our kids. He looks at all those things and he says, why are these people acting a fool? Don't they know? So in verse 39, he says, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. When I'm in the picture, there is no death because I have life. When I'm here, your situation can't die because I'm the one that made it. I spoke things into being. You think that I can't fix your situation? And the Bible says in verse number 40. And they laughed at him. And then the attitude of the crowd is to laugh at Jesus, to mock Jesus, to ridicule Jesus. Because they cannot understand that Jesus is more than just a man. Jesus is in his place when he does his most miracles. And when he tells them that the child isn't dead, they look at them with the child and say, she, she looks pretty dead to us, Jesus. This reminds me of Luke. Jesus went back to his hometown. Couldn't work a miracle there. Because people like faith. They looked at Jesus and said, Ain't this the carpenter's son? He can't be the same. He can't be the same. Jesus speaks his words. And he said, Truly I tell you. Truly I tell you. No prophet is no accepted. No prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. In the prophet's hometown. Maybe that's why I can't get folks to come back to Bible because I'm from Temple. People don't want to believe that I'm God's man. So they don't listen when I say you need to strengthen your faith through Bible class. You need to come back on Sunday afternoon. 
You need to come back Wednesday night Bible class, even though it's more closer to the afternoon than it is tonight. Don't leave me alone. Jesus said, the man who comes from God, when he comes to his hometown, he loves it. Jesus couldn't do no work in his hometown. People lack faith, and they lack faith in him at this moment in time. Verse number 41 back in the text says this. He took her by the hand and said to her, and he takes the little girl by the hand. I want you to picture this. For a moment, if you would. The man Jairus, with his wife, he's a man of God, and his little girl is lifeless, laying on the ground. For those of us who have children in here, that is a terrifying blow. To lift up the hand of your child and there's no life in them. The fingers don't move. There's no pulse in the wrist. It's dead. But Jesus, he takes the hand of the little girl and he says, Talitha Kum. And in Arabic, Jesus' native tongue, He's saying something to the girl. He's, he, he's calling her as if he is saying, Dear, my baby girl, rise up. Baby girl, rise up. He didn't have to repeat himself. Jesus spoke those words to meet the queen. And then it says, And immediately the girl got up and began Immediately. The girl got up and began to walk. Keep reading. She was 12 years of age. She was 12 years of age. At this moment, at this, they were overcome with amazement. I want you to understand that this girl had reached the point to where she was almost at womanhood. She reached the age of 12 and God's government took over. God said, I'm going to take your life at 12 so that your mother and father who are associated with the synagogue and leader in the synagogue so that they can see that Jesus is the Christ. And then not only am I going to do that, he says, I'm not only just going to make you come back from the dead, but I'm going to improve your situation. I'm not just going to tell you to come back alive. I'm going to tell you to rise up. And so when you look at your situation, you look at your finances, you look at your marriages, you look at your children, you look at your job situation, you don't tell it just to get better, but you say, God, improve my situation. And have faith that God will do so and make the things that you're dealing with whole. God can do more than raise back your situations from the dead. God will improve your situations. But you must have faith that it's possible. You have to have faith that it's possible. And when people see that God has changed your life in a positive, in a positive way, they will be overcome. Because they will look at your life and they will know that you couldn't do what you did. They will understand that God did it for you. Some of us look at our situations and we truly have no hope. We don't speak it out loud, but in our hearts we know that we believe that nothing's going to change. Some of us believe that this church isn't going to grow. Some of us believe that our marriages were over years ago. Some of us believe that our children are lost and can't be found. Some of us believe that our marriages can't improve. Our job situation can't improve. Our finances can't improve. If you keep believing the same thing, then it won't happen. You won't press through the crowd and make contact with Jesus. So when they saw the change, they were overcome with amazement. 
And Jesus, here's what he says. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this. He strictly orders everyone who is present in the room, don't tell nobody. Don't tell anyone what happened. Keep reading. And told them to give her something to eat. And then he told her, give her something to eat. Two things I want you to see from this. Jesus doesn't want people to come to him just because of what he can do for them. He doesn't want them to go outside and tell them this man just performed a miracle. He wants them to come because they believe without sin. And that's the challenge that we have today. None of us in here will see Jesus until the end. But if you believe, blessed are you. If you believe, blessed are you. The second thing I want you to see in this is, is that Jesus tells them to feed her because he says, when I fix something, it's going to keep on living. You see, we can try to fix things on our own. And we might be successful at some times and have it to live a couple more years. But when Jesus fixes something, it's going to keep on living. If you want to see yourself be made whole, if you want to see your marriage be made whole, if you want to see the things that you strive to do in your life be made whole, if you want to see your children made whole, your finance situation made whole, your job made whole, you must come into contact with Jesus in faith. You can't just be a part of the crowd. The power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is power. Power defines. He can take what is dying or dead and improve upon it. He can take what is hopeless and bring back hope. Do you want to be made whole today? Do you want to be made whole today? Don't sit there to yourself in sorrow. Be made whole today. Reach out through the crowd and touch Jesus and be made whole today. If you want to have access to God, you have to come through Jesus. I ask you this morning, if you are not a Christian this morning and you seek to make contact with God, I want you to understand that there's only one avenue to do so. The first thing that you must do is hear the word of God. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. You must repent of your sins. You have to take yourself out of the equation. Put the will of God number one in your life. You must say, I am committed to the cause of Christ because Christ was committed to his father. You must be baptized for the remission of your sins. In doing so, your sins are washed away and you're made a new creature in Christ. If anyone tells you any other way to come into Christ, it's a lie. There's no other mention in the New Testament of people finding salvation without baptism. You must be baptized into the death of Jesus. You must make contact with Jesus. If you are a Christian this morning, I want you to understand that it's not too late. The situation is not too bleak. Some of us will be like Jairus and we'll receive our blessings immediately. Some of us will be like the woman who was bleeding for 12 years and suffered and struggled for a long time before we see hope, before we see change. But I want you to understand, I want you to know that there is change. There is a place on this timeline that God has crafted where you are whole. But it doesn't happen unless 
sing the song of invitation. Why don't you come? I really love the Lord. As you sing the words of this song, I want you to understand what love is.